I'm Angel Massey, and you're now with me on Overwilding Podcast. What's up, guys? I hope you all are enjoying the weather, the snow, if it's coming down where you are and gathering and enjoying this holiday with loved ones and all these holidays coming up. Speaking of loved ones, I, of course, love all people. I enjoy learning and knowing about different races, cultures, creeds, sexes, religions. Um, I think it's what brought me to journalism, having the opportunity to tell the stories of all peoples from all places. But I have an affinity for Black folks because in case you didn't know, I am a Black person. I spent a lot of my life researching the history of my people because I always felt, even though my parents educated me in great schools, that knowledge of our history and origin was lacking. And more recently, Bobby and I have been engaging in discussions with friends and families about where we came from. And to our shock, a lot of folks really truly believe Black people didn't originate in Africa. So I want to talk about this today with my special guest, Bill Fletcher Jr. For most African Americans or Black people in this country, our history begins with the Atlantic slave trade. And while history marched on, introducing Africans from countries in Africa post-slavery and those who came from around the diaspora, the large majority of us can trace our lineage to those souls stolen and forced into slavery via West Africa and the Ivory Coast. Unfortunately, a lot of our pre-colonial history is shrouded in mystery. Why? A lot of that is due to the fact that Black history just isn't taught adequately or at all in our schools. Racism has given way to calling the true history of Black people in this country, quote unquote, woke ideology, and banned using legislation to keep the sensibilities of sensitive folks intact. And that's just the truth of it. And because our history is largely lost to us, that gap has been filled with myths, legends, falsehoods, downright BS. Are we the true Israelites? Are we the true indigenous peoples to North America? Was Christopher Columbus or Cristobal Colon, and that should give you a hint, a more. And so black folks discovered America? And did slavery really exist at all? While they all sound far-fetched, people really believe all of us. Joining me to discuss today the history of Black people, where we came from, and to dispel myths around our origins is the incredibly knowledgeable journalist, activist, writer, Bill Fletcher. Bill Fletcher Jr. is an activist, sought-after syndicated columnist, regular media commentator, and former president of the Trans-Africa Forum. He's a senior scholar for the Institute of Policy Studies and co-founder of the Center for Labor Renewal. Welcome to the Overwilding Podcast, Bill. It's so good to talk to you again. It is. It's been too long. I've been looking forward to this discussion, so thank you. Thank you so much. Um, It has been too long. And for my listeners, I know Bill because I was his producer um, for The Global African. And it was actually a show that he hosted and produced and wrote um, about uh, Africans around the diaspora. So it was a really cool experience um, for me to be able to work with someone so legendary, but also to gain knowledge about a subject that was a little bit of a gray area for me. So thank you so much for coming on. Pleasure. Absolutely. 
So we're here together today because of Black Twitter. And while that may be superfluous to many, Black Twitter has really been responsible for galvanizing worldwide movements, for creating terms and words in the social lexicon, and for more recently, spreading these falsehoods and unfortunate ideologies that are really based in pseudoscience about where Black folks come from. And it's worrisome and alarming because you have these influential figures like Kyrie Irving and Kanye West that are pushing these myths. And it, in my opinion, is helping the cause of white supremacy and more plainly making us look so crazy. (laughs) So I first want to extend my deep gratitude to you for coming on and for taking time today to talk about the subject. And hopefully we can break through the noise that is just building. So my first question is this. You would think that in 2022, with all the technology, tools, and resources that are available, that there wouldn't be such a blind spot when it comes to the knowledge of our origin. Um, In your opinion, why is this? It exists, Angel, for a few reasons. One is that in the United States, there's an active hatred and opposition of history and an embrace of myth across the board. And and when you look at the way that history is dealt with in uh, our schools, uh, in religious institutions, et cetera, what you often find is, and I'm not just talking about Black folks, you often find a way that inconvenient things are removed from history and are replaced with uh, items, dates, personalities that make people feel a little bit better about the history of this country, certainly, and the history of Europe and the United States in total. So that's one factor. The second thing is that there has been a long time war against the history of African people and African Americans in particular. And what you find I'll tell you a funny story. When I was a teenager in the late 60s, early 70s, there there was a proliferation of red, black, and green Black liberation flags. Mm. And I was so proud because I said, my generation came up with these flags. Well, no, we didn't. That came up under Garvey. But there was this sort of amnesia that existed, uh, such that many people either forgot or never knew about where that came from. That's true about African-American history as a whole, that we go through these periods of um, what I'll call a historical void. Not that we aren't making history, but where we lose track of our past. And then we have to go through an active process of relearning. And a lot of what was going on, for example, in the 1960s was a relearning of African-American history. But then by the 1980s, it starts to vanish again. And then sometimes get got replaced with various kinds of myths. And the way that Malcolm X's life uh, was taught by many people uh, really combined fact with myth, which made it very complicated. And you started to see that in many spheres. So 
It's all those factors together, Angel, that have contributed to this morass that we're in. Yeah. And and it seems like we are back on that hamster wheel of amnesia um, and replacing what we found, what we rediscovered with these myths and with these legends that are really innocuous. That's Um, right. Let me just say one thing about that, mm -hmm. that I think that current social uh, media technology, instead of uh, expanding our knowledge, has in many ways dumbed people down. And, 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 And so part of what's happened is that there is often an assumption that because something is on social media, whether Twitter, uh, uh, Facebook, uh, TikTok, or whatever, that it must be true. And even though everybody knows that's not the case, there really is this sense that, well, if it's if it's up there on Facebook, or it must be it must be correct. And so that means that when you then have demagogues, and there's other terms that I could use for them, which I'll, I'll refrain from that grab hold of certain things and have a social media following, people would just say, well, if such and such is saying it, then it must be true. You're right. And that's sad because we have some of these individuals that we in our culture hold up um, as the epitome of Blackness proliferating the stereotypes the most. That's right. You know? Um Let's get down to the crux of what we're talking about today. Really, we already have been. But let me ask you, where did Black folks as we exist today originate from? Um, I know that we largely are descendant of enslaved people that were forced into the New World um, from Central and West Africa. Um, But where, where did we come from? Well, I always like to say there's a couple of answers to this. So the first is... All of humanity originated in Africa um, and in in Southern and kind of Eastern Africa. So that's the origin of all humanity and and Homo sapiens and actually um, different variations of humanity originated in Africa. But Homo sapiens migrated out of Africa to all corners of the earth. So on the one hand, that's the origin of everything. Now, the second answer is that most people of African descent in the United States today are the descendants of slaves who either were brought to North, uh, to the uh, mainland North America or to the Caribbean. And then if they were brought to the Caribbean and migrated to the United States beginning in the first decade of the 20th century. There were also people that came from the Cape Verde Islands, uh, 500 miles off the coast of West Africa, which was a Portuguese colony until 1975. They began coming in the mid-19th century, but not as slaves. They came uh, as whalers and fishermen, and they started bringing their families. Uh, and that's a whole other story. And that's partly what my novel was about, uh, The Man Who Fell From the Sky. Wow. Um, then you have post-1965, another wave of African immigrants 
And the largest number in the beginning, I think, were mainly from Ethiopia and Eritrea. And then it started to expand to other parts of the continent, uh, most notably Nigeria. And so, so you've had different waves. Oh, and a final wave is from Latin America. So you have people who were the descendants of slaves that were brought to Latin America by the Portuguese or the Spanish, who then migrate uh, to the United States. And they're called, uh, people talk about them being Afro-Latinos, people like the baseball player David Ortiz or Albert Pujol. Um, and so, you, so when we're thinking about African-Americans, uh, we're thinking about this really interesting mix of people from different parts of the African world. Yeah, yeah. And, and speaking of that, uh, it's interesting because it's interesting to see how those different individuals uh, from around the diaspora, their fate kind of shook out as opposed to ours. Um, there are many Black people around the diaspora, Haiti, the Caribbean, Brazil, Puerto Rico, and it seems like they've been able to hold on to their culture, their traditions, their food, their music tighter than we were able to hold on to it in this country. And my question for yeah. you is, what's up with that? And does it, in your opinion, contribute to the sense of loss and need for belonging that Black people have in this country? Well, the reasons lie primarily in different forms of white supremacy that were experienced in what we now know as Latin America and the Caribbean versus what we experienced in what's now the United States. So it's important for people to understand that when the Spanish and the Portuguese first come over to the so-called New World, the Western Hemisphere, um, they didn't send a lot of colonists over. They send a, sent a lot of invaders, conquistadors, military people, mercenaries, etc. And they came primarily to rape the continent. Uh, and rape it both in the sense of raping the natural materials, uh, minerals, et cetera, and raping uh, the people, the women. Uh, and so when they come over, uh, there's actually a relatively small number of Spanish and Portuguese. So they, got, they have a problem because when they come over, they start killing off the indigenous people through a combination of disease, slavery, wars, um, and they need to replace this indigenous population with another workforce, and that's when they go to Africa. Mm. So they bring Africans over to do the work, uh, a lot of the work. So you have this large number of Africans, large number of indigenous people, small number of Europeans, and this is in Latin America. And so the Spanish and the Portuguese um, had to figure out ways of dividing up the population so that they weren't, wouldn't unite mm. against the occupiers. Right. And they divided people up largely on the basis of shades of color. Um, and they had names for it, uh, you know, different mixtures, like uh, the two most that were most common that we're familiar with, mestizo and mulatto. Mestizo mm. being 
European and Indian, mulatto being European and African. But the Spanish had names for virtually every intermixing that you could imagine. And you also had large tracts of land where runaway slaves and indigenous people and or indigenous people would go to get away from the Europeans so that, so that the, there could be a preservation and a renewal, in many cases, of culture from Africa. Now, with, in North America, in, in the, what becomes the United States, the British have a completely different approach because the British don't just send uh, troops. They send waves of settlers because they had an excess population because of the development of capitalism. They had all these poor people, and they needed to get rid of them. And they sent them to Ireland, then they, they sent them to the 13 colonies, etc. These settlers were not interested in mixing with the Africans or the indigenous. They were interested in removing the indigenous, either exterminating them or just pushing them west. And when it came to uh, people of African descent, they had the one-drop rule. One drop of African blood and you were black, which meant that you could be enslaved. So the whole way that white supremacy played out, it's not that it was better in Latin America. It was just different. And so our, uh, those of us in North America uh, had to contend with large numbers of white settlers in, in, on top of troops making it much more difficult to set up these sort of independent communities that you might see in Central and South America and in the Caribbean. Um, And and so that was what, that that helps to explain part of uh, this kind of, what what seems like a very different situation. And And the shades of color issue in Latin America is incredibly important, which helps us to understand why the Dominican government, the Dominican Republic government, right. is at war with its own African blood and with Haitians. Black Wall Street or Tulsa mm-hmm. comes to mind. Um, Greenwood, it comes to mind because it, you know, you talking, I, I just imagined us trying to establish these communities where we could have uh an echo chamber of culture, if you will, um, and not being able to do that. You know? That's right. I mean, the, the, you know, the game is rigged. Every time we attempt to play by the rules that the mainstream establishes, they change the rules. So in the case of Tulsa, Oklahoma, as you just mentioned, there was a very thriving African-American community, uh, and it was well-to-do, and there was incredible anger this is post-World War I. There was incredible anger by large numbers of the white population about the success of the black community. So their decision was to carry out what would be called in Europe a pogrom, uh, which was a racial attack on our community. I don't like to use the term race riots because it just sounds like it was chaos. This was war, right? And this is the kind of thing that happened in different communities around the country in in the West and, and in the South. Yeah, yeah. And 
it seems to repeat itself. Uh, it seems to be repeating itself. It seems to repeat itself, especially in Baltimore, you know, with later redlining through these uh, culturally right. rich communities. And, um, you know, now the, the, we're unable to teach our own history in school. So it's an attack in a different way. Um, and it kind of leads me into my next question. Uh, and perhaps you answered it in a way, but many other cultures have and have oral traditions of passing down their history through story because they're, it's maybe not safe to have written word or it's been destroyed. Mm -hmm. Um, has this tradition occurred at all in the Black community when it comes to um, the oral traditions of our roots in different countries in Africa? Well, we have definitely not lost an oral tradition. Um, the, but it gets complicated, Angel, because the oral tradition, if not handled the right way, becomes a tradition of mythology. Right. And, and we'll, I guess we'll get to talk a little bit more about that in, in a minute. Yeah. Um, the problem of, uh, with regard to our origins, though, is not unique to us in North America. But basically, the Europeans in, uh, enslavers did whatever they could to break our connection and memory of Africa. So keep in mind that the slaves that were picked up in Western uh, and Southwestern Africa uh, came from different ethnic groups, empires, etc. They spoke different languages, had different religions. Uh, they estimate now that I believe somewhere between a quarter and a third of the slaves that were brought over were Muslims. Um, but once they came here, they could not practice Islam. Right. Uh, they could not speak in their own languages. They often were grouped together with people that spoke other languages. So it didn't take too long for there to be a breakdown in terms of some memory of from whence we came. And then when you, when you add on to that, that we were not permitted to learn how to read and write, uh, anyone that was a slave, they were prohibited from that, uh, and that the slave owners actively propagated the notion that we were of no consequence. So when you go through um, at least 200 years of that, it actually more than 200 years of that, then what happens post-1865 makes perfect sense. And the fact that we survived itself is miraculous. It is. It is. It's like they created a blank slate of people. And at every turn, when we tried to reestablish some semblance of a culture, it was wiped out. It was wiped out or pushed back, but we always kept coming back. Yeah. That's the thing. We've never stopped coming back. We've gone through bad periods, but we've never stopped reasserting. You know, it's like, that's one of the things that's so important about like the work of W.E.B. Du Bois and, and his, uh, for instance, his book, Black Reconstruction in America, where he wrote in 1935, 
in order to establish what really did happen after the Civil War and to destroy the white supremacist myths that had been uh, propagated. We, we keep doing it. We are relentless. That's what makes us so special, but it also, I think, is what makes it so disheartening when you hear these myths of our origin that yes. just aren't true. Um, and and speaking of that, I want to switch gears and kind of talk about what's been happening in, uh, I guess, pop, pop culture, if you will. Um, let's talk about the artist formerly known as Kanye West. He calls himself oh, yay, yay now, right? Yes, yes. Um, in our community, artists and athletes, they're held on sort of a pedestal because of the wealth and fame they achieve. Um, and the wealth and fame they achieve seems somewhat unattainable to most Black folks. So we do hold them in high esteem and high regard. Um, and in a lot of ways, even if it's not their wheelhouse, we do tend to listen to everything that they have to say about everything. Mm -hmm. um, and Ye, as he calls himself in particular, went from an outspoken advocate for Black people to saying slavery was a choice. What are your thoughts on him? Um. I think that his former wife yeah. probably put it best when he had announced that he was going to run for president in 2020. And she put out a very heartfelt note that essentially said there are terrible things that can happen in a family and that there are things that where you can no longer control the behavior of someone. I forgot the exact words, but it was something to that effect. Yeah. Um, I think that he is incredibly troubled. And as it's gotten worse, he has moved further and further to the right. I just saw something that was a headline from, I think, Rolling Stone, where it said that he told Alex Jones, another notorious right winger, that Hitler was right or something to that effect. Um, there's something deeply wrong with this guy. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm not a therapist. I can't diagnose him. But I think that there's a few things that are clear. One is that, for the most part, I think we can conclude he has no idea what he's talking about right. on almost anything right. uh, outside of perhaps the entertainment industry. Um, he is not a scholar on anything. I don't know how well he reads. Uh, I don't know that he likes to read. Uh, I, don't, I don't see any evidence that he's done any research on anything. Uh, but he likes to be heard. And that, that's what makes him quite dangerous and his message very dangerous. Because people, it goes back to what we were saying in the beginning, sometimes regular people think that because someone is of note, uh, because someone made a lot of money, uh, because someone gets on the media, that they, there must be some germ of truth in what they're saying. And the reality is no. That's, that's not the case. Right. And so he is, um, he is misleading uh, people. And 
What's even sadder is that there are elements of the right. I'm thinking about people like Candace Owens, who appear to be trying to make use of him to serve their own political objectives. Right, exploiting. And, And yeah, and I find that pathetic, absolutely pathetic. Um, And so I think that it's, there's a way that we Black folks often um, close up and don't want to have public discussions about our own folks. Uh, And even when they're doing really bad things. Uh, An example is Clarence Thomas. That there's still to this day, a lot of African-Americans that don't want to publicly say, this man has been a disaster black america right and has been one of the worst jurists in u.s history people don't want to say that and i think the same with kanye yep i agree and i think that it's this you know in in some ways it's this idea of wanting to protect our own but it's harmful because we aren't able to give constructive criticism of each other when it's needed because that's right for some reason, it seems anti-black, even though what they're doing is anti-black. That's right. You know. Um, yeah. And speaking of celebrities, let's talk about Kyrie Irving. You know, grow- growing up in Baltimore, I'm sure you've seen, as well as me, the Black Israelites, as they call themselves, on yes. street corners, recruiting and promoting their religion. Um, and more recently, um, Kyrie Irving when he was accused of anti-Semitism, said, you know, how can I be anti-Semitic when it's what I am? And then you saw the Black Israelites outside of the Barclays Center singing to welcome him back from the suspension. Um, And Kyrie Irving has said himself that Black people, or has promoted a documentary that says that Black people are the original Israelites. And many other folks in our race share the same sentiment. Uh, is this history based in any type of real history or reality? No, it's um, it's a myth. So, so this is an interesting question, Angel. See, it seems one of the things that because our history has been battered by white supremacists, and because we um, have lost parts of it. We want to fill in the blanks. Yeah. And and so what ends up happening when you're not dealing with this rigorously at the level of, you know, like the way that Du Bois and other people studied things, is that people start filling in with feel-good myths. So for Elijah Muhammad, uh, of the nation of Islam, it was this notion of the the what they call the Asiatic black man that that black folks were actually Asiatic. Uh, there is no foundation for that, none. Right. But it, but it was something that was propagated, and there's different theories as to why it was propagated. Um, the the notion uh, that the black Israelites uh, are a particular cult, and the only the closest thing that they are to the truth on any of this is that we're all Africans, and right. that 
the people that settled in the Middle East came out of the continent of Africa, and the the Israelites were a particular tribe, the Hebrews were a particular tribe, um, and no one knows for sure what they look like, but it sounds reasonably like there was a range of complexions. Uh, and they genetically ended up being the, uh, uh, the origins of the people that are now known as Palestinians, as well as people, many, many people who are now known as Jews. So the, the Black Israelites have created the story. And the story just has no historical foundation. It just doesn't. It's just, it's another feel-good story to try to say that we actually have a home that we can identify and that, uh, and, and, and no one can allegedly take it away from us. But it's just, it's not founded on anything. Yeah. And isn't that sad? Because it's almost a, in a way, it's a outgrowth of white supremacy because yes. you take these people and you take this group of people and you strip away their history, you strip away their culture and you leave this, this blank slate at every single turn. Um, and when you actually, when they actually are presented with the real history of who we are, they're like, no, that's not good enough. That's not strong enough. We can't actually point to who we are. And this is, this is who we are. We're filling in the gaps, um, That's with right. myths and legends and, Another myth that has surrounded Black origin in this country is that we are the original indigenous people to this land, and that instead of Native American peoples populating North America via the land bridge, it was us. Can you tell our listeners once and for all if <laughs> this is the truth? And you know, I try so hard when I, when and I, you know, we have family friends that debate us up and down that this is the truth, and right. you try so hard to be respectful of people's opinions, but it's not even an opinion, really. It's just pseudoscience when yeah, it comes to I wouldn't even grace it by calling it pseudoscience. I mean, it's, it's sort of like uh, you get this, this argument that by some people that an opinion is as legitimate as the truth. And, and, and it's not. An opinion is an opinion. And it can be based on absolutely nothing. You know, you wake up with an upset stomach and you have an opinion, you know. Um, yeah. Now, the, the, here's the thing. That, that argument about we're the in, original indigenous people of, of, North, of the Western Hemisphere is so wrong as to be almost laughable. Yeah. Now, having said that, here's, here's where it gets complicated. The, the people who are, the, are indigenous to uh, the Western Hemisphere, most scientists agree they came from Asia. They, some came in what was called the land bridge between what's now Siberia and what's now Alaska. But there's, a, a, there's enough evidence that a lot of other people came uh, by boat somehow uh, down the coast uh, from Polynesia, uh, from what's now Japan or China, 
and they they didn't walk literally down through what's now Canada, et cetera. Um, and they started setting up uh, communities and eventually empires. At some point before the birth of Christ, uh, the noted scholar Van Sertima in his book, They Came Before Columbus, identifies that there's evidence that people from Africa did come to the Western Hemisphere. Mm. And his book, which I uh, just reread a few months back, um, is, is really quite remarkable because he shows how there were these uh, ocean currents off the coast of what's now Guinea and that Africans knew about, that if you got it in these currents, the currents were like, um, it was like a conveyor belt. That you and very strong, you'd get in these currents and they would take you to the Western Hemisphere. And um, the Europeans, the Portuguese, who were uh, particularly the first uh, real navigators, European navigators, they found out about these currents from Africans. In fact, they reported it to other people, indicating that Africans knew about these currents that went to the New World. And von Sertema then started looking at different things in northern South America and Central America that displayed evidence that there had been an African presence. There were these statues by the Olmecs, O-L-M-E-C, in in Mexico and others that are clearly African. I mean, you just see the faces, all of the features. Mm-hmm. And and so there was an African presence, but we weren't the indigenous people. In other words, we came here. Now, what's un, what, what is less clear is the extent to which it was back and forth. Um, right. You know, that, that is between Africa and, and the Western Hemisphere, because the currents going back towards Africa did they either were much further south or they were further north that would have taken you more towards Europe. Um, but there's plenty of evidence that, that there was an African presence. In fact, there was, I, I, I think it was Balboa, the Spanish conquistador, who stumbled across all these people who he identified as African in what's now Colombia. Wow. And this was like in the 1500s. And he, I think he referred to them as a as a African or a Negro or Negro tribe or something. Uh, and, but then it's not clear who they were, where they came from, but it was apparently, it was distinct enough for him to conclude these were not indigenous people. Hmm. So perhaps tidbits, because th- what's interesting is I've heard um, and read a bit about um, the Olmec uh, statues and uh, mm-hmm. the history, um, and I did think to myself that does look like people of African descent. Oh, yeah. um, and but I think that the history got so jumbled in um, the myth of us being indigenous that you know I didn't really tune into what they were talking about. So that's super duper oh, yeah. interesting. No, no, it's, it's fascinating. See, the other part of this, Angel, is this. 
we have been battered for so long that we are in this effort to prove and reassert our greatness. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, we have been told that we're not worth anything, that we have not made any contributions. You know, people like Thomas Jefferson making statements to the effect that there was nothing that we contributed, right? And, and you get battered, 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 and you want to seize onto something that says, no, we are great, right? And, yeah. and, and so people seize onto whatever they can. And, and at sometimes it's myth. Uh, it's, it's like, um, you know, not to put down the Black Panther uh, film, yeah. right? But there's this, this sort of love affair that people had it with Wakanda, right? Yeah. And, and, but there's no love affair with Songhai, the Songhai Empire. Yeah. There's no love affair with the Egyptian yeah. civilizations. There's no love affair with Mali or Ghana. Or the you know, it, kingdom. It's, it's yeah. like we have to, it seems like we have to, find, instead of finding, or not finding, rediscovering the greatness that is there in our history. Yeah. We have to make stuff up. We make and, it and then we make stuff up that is so absurd as to be laughable and destroy our credibility when, when all we have to do is point to history. Yeah. You know, and, and even more recent history. I mean, like one of the things I, I often say to people, if you look at in the 19th century and early 20th century, if you look at the different inventions you will notice that black folks, I mean, well, I, I'll let me put it this way. You, you have to ask, did anyone other than blacks and Jews invent anything? Yeah. Right? Because all of these things were invented by blacks and Jews. Yeah. And so there's so much that we can be proud of instead of grappling, grappling uh, onto these, these outrageous myths. Yeah. And, you know, as America continues to brown, which it will, um, it's interesting to see this rollback of, uh, okay, it, it is illegal to teach um, Black history in schools or what they call woke indoctrination. I hate that yeah. they have taken the word woke because I'm old enough to remember where being woke was a good thing. Um I hate that they have taken that word and turned it into something that's bad. Um, oh, we should take it back, Angel. We should take it back. I completely yeah. agree because nothing is wrong with being awakened to the that's reality right. of who you are and your history and your people. And it, it all I it agree. can do is help to contribute to society at large when you have this huge block of people who can be proud of who they are and their history. That's right. That's right. Um, no, absolutely. And, mm -hmm. and see, I, 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 I mean, just to be blunt, I'd rather have white people awake than asleep. Same. Right? And, and, and so, but you know, when you're talking about this, um, so the, what, what's, what's happening now is, see, the, the white supremacists are being slicker. So they're not saying you can't teach African-American history. They're not going to say that. They're saying that you can't teach anything that's going to make someone feel bad about themselves and their parents. Yeah. Right. As if and we so don't feel their, bad. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
you know, and and uh, you know, I I I suggested when when DeSantis pushed all of that in Florida, I said I thought that there should be a class action by black folks. Yeah. That basically says, you know, we don't we don't like the way we're taught in school because it's mm-hmm. a lie. Right. And so we're going to bring a class action based on what DeSantis himself has raised. I mm-hmm. mean, we've got to challenge this notion. But, you know, think about it. If, if, when people say, well, you know, I, you, you can't make someone feel bad. Well, what does that mean? So does that mean that if there is someone of German origin? in your class. You can't teach about the Holocaust. Yeah. I mean, that's what they're trying to say. Yeah. Well, we need to call them on it. Yeah, we do. We do. Um, Because we feel bad enough. I mean, I remember um, growing up in Baltimore, my parents uh, sent me to private schools because the school that I was zoned for was just not good educationally. And so they wanted to make sure that I received a proper education, but I always remember during Black History Month, there was just all eyes on me Um, as if I knew more, which unfortunately I didn't and I shouldn't have. Right, right, right. right. uh, As if I knew more or as if if slavery was actually happening to me. And so right then and there, and there was not, it wasn't taught so that I would have a sense of pride. It was like, this is a dark time in our history. And now they're even, you know, trying to take that away from us. So um, let me ask you this, and this is my last question. Do you think that these myths contribute to uh, the white supremacist narrative in this country? Um, And if not, do you think that it at least helps it in some way? The myths contribute to the move to the right, they contribute to demobilizing us. And and let me explain what I mean by that. That that this attempt by some people to try to make us out to be so completely unique from any other people deprives us of of the possibility of building alliances. Yeah. So you, you'll end up having people that will basically be saying, well, there's nobody that suffered the way Black people have. Well, that's actually not true. No, it's not. Right? And, and so, but, you know, when you have that kind of thinking, it basically means you really can't reach out to anybody else. You can't share the experience of oppression as a basis for renovation right? and turning things around. Yeah. And so this is what makes it, uh, it's very, very damaging. Um, the other thing is that it's sort of like a hallucinogen. Yeah. Um, you know, you can, you can get high and feel very good for a certain time. But then when you come out of that high, you crash. When people get high based on a myth, and then that myth, they are confronted with reality, uh, the con- confrontation with reality can be absolutely humiliating. Yeah. I mean, when, you know, let me give you uh, an example. In the Nation of Islam, uh, they had this whole thing, the Yaqub theory. Did you ever hear of that? No, I didn't. 
Okay. So it was it was the uh, uh, alleged theory for the origin of of black folks and white folks, and the mm-hmm. idea was that thousands of years ago the world was entirely black, and there was a mad scientist named Mr. Yakub who decided he wanted to create a devil race, and uh, and that he and so he began uh, using eugenics to make lighter and lighter people. And that's where white people came from. Whoa. And is this why Malcolm X called white people devils? Devils. Wow. That's right. They were a devil race. And they, they had a certain amount of time that they were supposed to be dominating the planet. And then when that time was up, they were up, right? Hmm. Now, you know, I hate to break it to you, but there's like no foundation (laughs) for this notion, right? Yeah. Right. Right. But it made made people feel good, right? Yeah. Because if you can basically say, oh, now I understand why white people act the way they are, because they're a devil race, right? Instead of like understanding the way capitalism works, the way white supremacy has been constructed, right? You basically just attribute it to that. Well, if if you believe the Yakub theory, and then all of a sudden you're confronted with real science, you look like an idiot. An absolute idiot. Right? Yeah. And you end up, it's very humiliating. Yeah. And, and if you're humble, you can self-criticize and move forward. But a lot of people, they break. They, it shatters them. Yeah. And so this, this embrace of myth becomes a really, real, real problem uh, uh, in terms of that. The other reason it becomes a real problem is that these myths do not help us figure out what to do next. Like, what should we be doing about oppression? And and what can happen uh, is seeking salvation through an external force. So a couple of examples of that. Uh, one example is the idea that aliens from another world liberate us. Hmm. Now, you, you know, yeah. people may think that that's funny, but that is a current that has run through different political tendencies within our movement. Yeah. I mean, my, I've heard my dad say something like that before. Oh, yeah. Actually, not well, to it was something that was, it yeah. was something not to pick on the nation of Islam again, but yeah. it was something that existed within them, among others. Yeah. Um, there was a, um, a a Muslim cult, uh, very different from the nation, called the Ansur, that pr- propagated this notion that uh, the world would be destroyed except for about two hundred thousand people who would be who would be in the Sudan or who would move to the Sudan and would survive. Right. I mean, it's like okay. Right? right. All right. And so then an- another thing before World War II, there was a pro Japanese movement among Black Americans, uh, not the majority of Black Americans, but a large number. And, and these were people that believed that the Japanese empire was good because it was taking on the West, and that when the Japanese invaded the United States, they would liberate African Americans. Oh man! Uh, people believe this. Yes, they did. Right. Wow. So instead of thinking about how do we liberate ourselves, 
You have people like waiting for the Japanese to come or waiting yeah. for the Klingons to come or someone else to come, right? To, yeah. to, to liberate us, you know? Right. And I'm, listen, I'm all in favor of the Klingons, you know? It's like, right. <laughs> it'd be great if they land with, with their starships, but cool. I'm not counting on that. Right. You know? Right. And right. that's the problem with myth. Right. Right. I agree. I remember being a, maybe I had just graduated from college and uh, my mind had just expanded and opened because I finally had a black history and sociology class taught by a black professor. And Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, there's just this common theme of us waiting and waiting and waiting for this great leader to liberate us. And Mm -hmm. that's just not the reality of anybody in human history, certainly not in the current human history that we're experiencing right now. So um, I'm glad that we got to talk about and dispel these myths. And I know that there are still going to be some people who listen and be like, you know what, I am an Israelite and there is nothing that you can do to tell me that I'm not. But I know that there's also going to be those people who say, you know what, let me actually do some real historical research instead of um, going on Twitter or going on these bogus websites that have this bogus history um, and listening to it. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you're right. And that's why we have to encourage people to read. Yeah. Uh, read, and not read. read 140 characters, yeah. but to like read books, yeah. you know, um, uh, you know, read Du Bois, yeah. read Van Serdam. I mean, there's all of this material that's out there that is mind-blowing when you think about it and uh and and helps us to start thinking about well okay what do we need to do what 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 are the next steps but they also are things i'll give you an example um one of the things that that du bois talks about in the beginning of black reconstruction is that in effect had it not been for the slaves in large numbers hundreds of thousands leaving the plantations beginning around 1862. It's not clear that the Civil War would have ended the way that it did. That what he called the great general strike, that is that African slaves who were working in the fields and factories, et cetera, basically said, once they found out that the war started, they basically said, hell with this, right? I'm going north. And they went north And they said, I want to help in any way to defeat the Confederacy. And this crippled the economy of the South. Yeah. Now, that means that we, we Black folks, were central to the victory over the Confederacy. We weren't simply the recipients of the victory. We were central. See, that's, that's the thing about history. When you actually get it, it's like, damn, yeah. right? As opposed to embracing myth. Yeah. And the, the reality is better than the myth. That's right. The reality it's is much, so much more satisfying, but also more complicated. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, I don't know if she got this from somewhere else, but my mom always used to say to me, because she would encourage me to read even when I didn't have to do it for class. If you want to hide something from Black people, put it in a book. And it can't be like that anymore going forward. 
<laughs> it can't Touché. be like that. That's right. Anymore going forward. Um, Bill, thank you so much for joining me. I would love if you would come back on because this has the, been the best conversation that I've had all year. Oh, thank you. I, I, anytime. Anytime you want. Just, just give me a holler and I'll be back. Thank you so much. Um, and do you okay. want to tell our listeners how they can contact you? Maybe if they have questions or want to sure, uh, sure. Uh, so my website is billfletcherjr.com, uh, B-I-L-L-F-L-E-T-C-H-E-R-J-R.com. I also am on Twitter, at Bill Fletcher Jr., and uh, on Facebook, under Bill Fletcher. So I'm very easy to reach. Um, and I love being in communication with people as long as... They don't get personal. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the sense of personal attacks. I'm not interested in that. And I'll end the communication. But I love interacting with people about ideas, about history, current events. Well, they are lucky to be able to have heard and interacted with you today. Um, and I just want to say thank you again. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Thank you. This discussion was enlightening, it was serious, but it was much, much needed. And don't worry, I'll be back again with meditations and moments of mindfulness, but this podcast is called Overwilding. And for some time, some folks have been wilding about the history of Black folks. And I just want to say that it's important for all of us, whether you're Black, whether you're white, whether you're of Asian descent, whether you're indigenous to this land, to be proud of who you are and where you came from. Because when you aren't proud of that history and you make up another history that doesn't actually exist, history tends to repeat itself. I hope this episode served whatever purpose you needed today. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Overwilded. Let's keep learning, growing, and healing together. If you have a question, want to hear me talk about a topic, bring a particular guest on, email me at angel at theangelera.com. Subscribe to this podcast and visit me at Overwilden or at Angel Era on Instagram. Music by Luciano, recording by Mystery Street Recording, and editing by my friend Jeremy Cosley. And a special thanks to my guest, Bill Fletcher Jr. Either you're green or growing or ripe and rotting, and on this podcast, we're always going to choose growth. Sexy-esque growth together. Bye-bye. Thank you.